Amen. Let's lift our hands all across this house. God, we love you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's worship and praise the Lord. God, we love you. God, we magnify you. God, we thank you tonight, God. You're able, exceedingly abundantly able to do above all that we can ask or think. We serve a mighty God in this place, and his name is Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's worship the name of Jesus. We praise you, God. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. When you begin to praise him, he begins to inhabit this place. It turns into a place of miracles, a place of signs and wonders. When we begin to lift up our hands and call on the name of our God. Oh, come on, there's situations, there's circumstances. But in the middle of that, God, you've been faithful. God, you've been so good. Lord, your love. Oh, your grace, your mercy, God, where would I be? Where would I be if it had not been for the Lord? Amen. I want to read from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9, beginning at verse number 1. Amen. It's an honor to preach to this church. Give honor to our pastor. Give honor uh, to the church, to the saints of God. Amen. I greet all the visitors tonight. Amen. If you don't know what to do at the end of a service, this area around the front is a place of prayer, following the message, and we come down to respond to what we've heard. So tonight... During the message, if you feel something moving in your heart, if you feel something speaking to your situation, the response to that is to come down to the front. And if you would feel comfortable enough to lift your hands and begin to call upon God, because I believe that there's no such thing as coincidences. And for you to be in this place tonight, God has something to speak to you. And God wants to do some great things in your life. So how do we respond to the word of God tonight? Amen. Let's make our way to the front and let's begin to pray and ask God, amen, to finish the work. Amen. Amen. I'm excited tonight. I feel the Lord has put something in my spirit. Uh, let's read 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 1 and I'm going to read a few verses here all the way to verse 13 and David said is there any left that is of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake and there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba and when the king called him unto David the king said unto him art thou Ziba and he said thy servant is he and the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Amiel and Lodibar. Everybody say Lodibar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Makur, the son of Amel, from Lodibar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and shall eat bread at my table continually." And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertains to Saul and to all his house. 
Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. And now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all my lord the king hath commanded his servants, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, saith the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And tonight, I want to preach this title. There's a room for lease in Lodi Bar. There's a room for lease in Lodi Bar. If you would put your Bibles down, let's lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us. God, tonight, Lord, you know what needs to be done and how to do it. Lord, we're not in any hurry, God, tonight. I want to see the healing power of God take place. Uh, oh, God, tonight I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders in lives. I want to see broken pieces put back together. I want to see people changed. Uh, oh, I, I don't want to just see people touch, God, but let's see people change. I'm, I'm believing tonight that you came into this place with circumstances that are out of your control and God is going to step in and reverse some things he's going to restore some things he's going to heal some people I believe tonight that healing is in the room I believe tonight that strength and power is in the room God bless you you may be seated there's a room for lease in Lodi Bar Jeremiah 18 and 1, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. I mean, the prophet Jeremiah lived a very interesting life. He is known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet in 627 B.C. when he was a young man, somewhere around 20 years old. In Jeremiah 16, we find out that he was not allowed to marry. He preached about Jerusalem's coming destruction in Jeremiah chapters 1, 4, and 6. Jeremiah preached that the people had broken their covenant with God in Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah preached that the people had forsaken their God by worshiping false gods in Jeremiah 2, 7, and 11 and were building altars to other gods in order to burn their children as offerings in Jeremiah 19. Jeremiah preached against idolatry in Jeremiah 44, adultery in Jeremiah 5 and chapter 7, oppressing the foreigners, orphans, and widows in Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 7, lying and slander in Jeremiah chapter 9. He preached about breaking the Sabbath in Jeremiah 17. He preached that if they did not repent, that God would withdraw His blessings in Jeremiah 16. He warned them that they would fall into famine and starvation, that invaders would plunder them and they would be taken captive into a foreign land in Jeremiah 14, 15, 16, 19, and 25. 
He preached so good that his family turned against him and plotted to kill him. In Jeremiah chapter 11 and chapter 12, he preached so good that he was attacked by a mob in Jeremiah 26. Oh, he had such an amazing following. He was threatened by the king in Jeremiah 36. He was accused. He was arrested, beaten. He was thrown in jail in Jeremiah 37. He was thrown into an empty well in Jeremiah 38. And listen to this. He preached for more than four 40 years faithfully, yet he only had two converts, Baruch, his scribe, and Abed-Melech, an Ethiopian eunuch who served the king. Jeremiah was dealing with a stiff-necked, stubborn, uncooperative people trying to get them to repent, but they refused. So when God, I'm just trying to give you the mindset of what he was seeing, as God told him to go to the potter's house, he watched as the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. You see, the potter had a plan for that clay. The potter had a vision of what that vessel would look like. But as the potter tried to shape it, as the potter tried to mold it, it says that it was marred in his hand. The clay was not cooperating with the potter. There's some people that, that take this writing to say that, that God is flexing His sovereignty, that God is showing them that He can do whatever He wants with them because they're in His hand. But the truth of the matter is God operates in our life by permission only. The truth of the matter is that God can't force you to do anything and God can't twist your arm into doing anything but God just gives people what they want. If you want to go your own direction, He will let you go. Oh, but there's a judgment and there's a consequence and there's a breaking that's going to take place. Oh, I want to talk to somebody tonight. Are you tired of being broken? Are you tired of going through the cycle? Are you tired of being shattered? Are you tired of sleepless nights? Are you tired of hopelessness? Are you tired of living in fear? Can God do with you as the potter does with the clay? Will you let him remold you tonight? Will you let him remake you tonight? Will you let God heal you tonight? God's got a question, but only you have the answer. Will you allow him to do it? Oh, let's lift our hands. Come on, I want you to know tonight as Jeremiah watched, that clay was marred in the potter's hand, but the potter didn't let it go. The potter didn't throw it away, but he made it again another vessel. I want you to know tonight that God does not want to destroy you. God didn't bring you this far to leave you and desert you, but God is with you, and God would rather see you restored than to see you destroyed. I want to preach to somebody tonight, you may be broken but God doesn't want you to be broken God wants you to be healed God wants you to be restored you may be living in depression but God wants you to have peace oh come on let's lift our hands I feel the presence of the Lord coming into this place come on let's lift up our voices right now God's got a question for you. Do you want to change? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be set free? Only you have the answer to that question because He will not force you to do anything. The people of Israel were in the cycle. I call it the A, B, C, D, E cycle. They're in the first cycle 
the first pattern of the cycle is they abandon the ways of God. After that, B, they fall into bondage. They fall into captivities. They find themselves under the hands of the Egyptians, under the hands of the Philistines, under the hands of the Babylonians, under the hands of the Romans. They find themselves in bondage because of abandoning the ways of God. From that place, there's sea, which is crying out to God. God, would you save us? God, would you deliver us? I'm thinking about Exodus. God told Moses, I've heard the cry and the affliction of my people. And when they cry out and they ask God to save them, D, he sends them a deliverer. He sends them someone to bring them out. He sends them revival, if I can say it that way. He gives them uh, the change to their circumstance. He turns everything around and gets them back to where they need to be. Which leads us to E which is ease and comfort and a lackadaisical spirit that flows right back into A. And so the cycle begins again. Oh, and I'm not just talking about the Old Testament, but right now in our lives, amen, we fall into those cycles too often that we forget about God and then we end up in the old pit that we were taken out of. And from that place, God delivers us and we find ourselves back in a place of ease. In a matter of time, we go back and abandon the ways of God oh I want to preach tonight that the children of Israel were facing another cycle of sin because of their decisions they were leaving them shattered wasted and unstable God wants to bring stability to a shattered soul tonight are you tired of being unstable it was in the book of Genesis chapter 39 when Jacob is pronouncing blessings over all of his sons. And the first son was Reuben. Reuben was the oldest son. And he looks at Reuben and he says, Reuben, you have excellence. Reuben, you have strength. Reuben, you have dignity. But he said, you're unstable as water. He said, thou shalt not excel. And from that point, we never see a judge, a prophet, a priest, or a king come from the tribe of Reuben. There's a cost to instability. You'll never establish your life if you live an unstable existence. That's why we need the church. You may not realize it now, but the structure of the church is holding some of your lives together. The structure of the church is holding some of your marriages together. How many people have walked away from the church and we see the family start to fall apart because the structure of the church keeps things in order. The structure of worship, the structure of prayer, oh, the structure of faithfulness. I'm telling you right now, you're thinking about walking away from the church. The church is holding holding your life together. Get involved like never before. Begin to pray like never before. Get faithful like never before because everything you need is in the presence of God. Somebody lift your voice right now and call out to God. You may be in bondage, but there's a deliverer in this house and his name is Jesus Christ and he's going to deliver you and he's going to save you for the rest of your life. Are you tired of living in the broken cycle? Are you tired of depression and fear and anxiety. I'm telling you tonight that God wants to break you out of the cycle of sin and give you a place of freedom and love and peace and joy. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's lift our hands right now.
Come on, God wants to bring stability to some unstable lives. God wants to bring, oh, come on, he wants to bring some peace back into your marriage. He wants to bring some hope back into your heart. He wants to bring everything that you lost back into your possession. God wants to make the vessel one more time. The vessel was marred, it was broken, it was twisted up. It failed to express the potter's thought. The vision that the potter had, his hand as it moved, it was all falling apart. But Jeremiah watched as the potter did not abandon the vessel, but instead he remade it over into a new design. Tonight, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Do you feel like you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown? Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In His arms, He'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Tonight, I don't know what you're going through, but God wants to wrap His arms of love around you and bring healing to you your life the musicians can come I'm almost finished is there anybody here tonight that's interested in the healing power of God Oh, is there anybody that's dealing with a broken heart? Is there anybody that's dealing with shattered dreams? Is there anybody that's dealing with disappointment? Is there anybody that, that is on the verge of making decisions and, and, and God is, is trying to deal with you tonight to remind you that he's still a healer? I remember one time I was at the church praying, and I, I do these prayer guides, and I would preach, uh, I would pray Isaiah 9, 6, and we'd go through it, and I remember I got the counselor, and I remember I saw a vision, I, I don't just say that, but I felt as if I saw a vision, and I saw two people sitting in the pastor's office talking about their life, and God said that's the counsel of the pastor, but I wonder if they would even have to go there if they would first find counsel with me. Oh, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that would get sorted out if you would find a prayer life all over again, if you would get back into the presence of God all over again. Oh, come on, we pick up the phone and tell everybody what's going on. When's the last time we got on our knees and called out to God who knows our needs before we even open our mouth? Oh, I want to preach to somebody tonight. There's healing in the house. If you'll remember who he is, don't forget the Lord. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to heal you. Take it to the Lord in prayer tonight. Oh, let's pray. Come on, let's lift up our voice, church. There's needs. Family relationships, friendships. Young people that are struggling. 
people that are facing loneliness, people that are dealing with grief, people that are carrying the weight of a broken heart, covering it up with their Sunday night best, coming to church and sitting on the pew, shaking everybody's hand during meet and greet, but little do you know behind what you can see on the outside, there's brokenness on the inside. Oh, there's instability on the inside. There's fear of the future on the inside. Oh, there's a feeling of being forsaken on the inside. I'm telling you tonight that God is in this place to restore you. It may just be something between you and God that nobody knows, but tonight God wants to go directly to that place. And He wants to bring healing to your wounds. He wants to bring strength to your weakness. He wants to bring peace to your uncertainties tonight, church. Oh, let me talk to a visitor right now. Do you know in the book of Genesis it says that God breathed into man and He became a living soul? You know what gives us our life is the presence of God. And when we don't have the presence of God, our life has an empty void that cannot be filled by anything else. And people try to fill it with addictions and people try to fill it oh, with all kinds of things in this world and the desires and goals and dreams. And I'm going to tell you that those things will fail you. Those things will let you down. Those things will disappoint you. There's multimillionaires blowing their brains out because they had all the money in the world but they didn't have peace. There's people that seem to be well-to-do in the sports world, in the Hollywood scene, but we find out about the decadence and we find out about the destruction and we find out about what was going on behind closed doors it was a different story than what we saw on the screen. I just want to tell somebody tonight, you can try to win this whole world and you'll still be empty because the only thing that can fill your life is the presence of God. Come on, you're, trace, you're chasing all kinds of things. When there's a God that's chasing you. You're trying to fill your life with all kinds of things. And there's a God that wants to complete you. There's a God that wants to heal you. You may be broken in the past. has led you looking for answers. Most people, the reason they do what they do today is because childhood trauma, things they didn't have in the past. And they're reaching for this because of what they didn't have. Let me tell you that Jesus will make up for whatever you don't have. You will be complete in Him. You will not lack anything. He said He'd never seen the righteous forsaken and he's never seen his seed begging for bread come on somebody are you looking for peace tonight are you looking for love tonight are you looking for joy are you looking for hope come on you may just be looking at a broken situation <laughs> but God knows what's in front of you Oh, come on, let's pray. Jesus. Dig deep tonight. Dig deep tonight. Dig deep tonight. God operates only by permission. Oh, come on, you ever seen a dog? You ever seen an animal that's been abused? And every time you go to pet them, they run away in fear because of the memory of how they were hurt, because of the memory of how they were abused, chained up, uh, malnourished, everything that happened to them, they'll never really trust another owner again. There's people tonight that are like that in their spirit. You've been hurt in the past. You've been broken by the hands of others. And now you're looking at your life and everybody that tries to step in to help you, you step back in fear because you don't know if you can trust people anymore. 
I want you to know tonight that God wants to restore your trust in this house. God wants to heal your heart in this house. Oh, you can trust again. Your heart can love again. Come on, you can get back up from where you were and you can finish the race. I'm telling you right now, it may not be everything it used to be, but God has something for you today. Mephibosheth, I'm ending with this. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan. Jonathan was David's very good friend. They loved each other. They were like brothers. Mephibosheth is the crippled son of Jonathan. And in 2 Samuel 4 and 4, it says, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived with a permanent disability because of something that somebody else did because of the mistake because of the mishandling of another human he was now losing out on opportunities and luxuries that life had to offer there's some of us that didn't have a mom and dad because our mom and dad couldn't figure out how to live their life and get their head screwed on straight there's some of us that had to come to church all by ourselves and the church became our family. There's some of us that had to learn uh, things because their dad never taught them. They had to learn it on YouTube. There's all kinds of different broken situations in this house tonight. But it was Mephibosheth in his brokenness. He went from being broken to hiding in fear. The reason that the nurse picked him up and ran is because if Saul and Jonathan were dead, well, that means that David, the evil person that Saul said he was, is going to come after Mephibosheth next. They had a fear of David that was completely conjured up by Saul, who was jealous. And because of a, a preconceived idea, Mephibosheth hides for life from David because of the lies that he's been told. He's in the house of Makur, the son of Amiel. This speaks of Mephibosheth's low place in life. He went from being the king's grandson to renting a room in Lodibar, just trying to find a way to make ends meet. There's another place where Makur, he brings food and, and provisions to David. It's almost like Mephibosheth just became a charity case and he's living and, and living off of somebody else's support and he's, he's just having to make ends meet the best he can because he's lost it all. He's living in a broken situation because of something that was out of his control. When he gets to David, he says, what are you doing talking to me? I'm just a dead dog. And he puts his head to the ground. A dog was one of the worst things that you could call a Jew. And, and he was calling himself a dead dog. You see, he had lost all of his dignity. He had lost all of his self-respect. He had an attitude that said, I'm not worthy to stand in the presence of the king. That word fetched, it said they went and fetched him. That word fetched is like tongs, picking up something off of the coals. It was like an inanimate object that was being carried from place to place he was immobile he was unable to do anything oh but there was one day when he thought the king wanted to destroy him that the king wanted to save him and restore him and even though he wasn't looking for the king there came a day when the king went looking for him he has nothing to offer, yet when the king calls for him, he restores him to the land that belonged to his family. He assigned people to take care of that land, and he gives him a seat at the table. You know why I feel David did this is because David knew what it meant to be forgotten. 
David knew what it meant to be overlooked. He may have not been crippled in the physical sense, but David knew what it meant when all of his brothers went out to be anointed and he was forgotten about in the field. He knows what it meant to be an outcast, to not fit in. David knew what it meant to struggle through life, to make ends meet. Tonight, in your situation, one of the greatest things God could ever do for your brokenness is to connect you with the people of God that once stood where you are standing and made it through the darkest times of their life. You may not know how to get through the brokenness, but if you'll come down, we'll pray for you, we'll encourage you, we'll help you, we'll be there for you, because Mephibosheth, God is going to put you in the situation of somebody that knows what it's like to be crippled God is going to put some of you in connection with others that know exactly where you are but they made it through and they're going to help you do it too this is why we need the church we need somebody to help us keep going we can see so much of ourselves in the way that Mephibosheth was restored. Just like Mephibosheth, we were separated from our king. Just like Mephibosheth, even though we weren't looking for him, there came a day in our life when the king extended his scepter and called us to stand in his courts. Just like Mephibosheth, our king wants to return to us what was lost. Just like Mephibosheth, the king's mercy and kindness may not take away all of our weakness, but he gives us a place at his table that changes our identity and the way we think about ourselves the king didn't want to kill him he wanted to restore him you may have been dropped forgotten overlooked passed up your life story may be full of disabilities inadequacies and disappointment but tonight there's a king of kings in this place named Jesus Christ that is calling you to step into his court he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you and there's no one that can take you out of his hand he will give you eternal life he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to endure his grace is sufficient for you he will come for you again and receive you to his kingdom he will wipe away every tear from your eyes and he will make all things new this may be your first time ever attending this church, church service in general. I remember the first time I came to God. I was living in a group home. I was broken. I had holes in my shoes and in my, my, my knees and my pants. And I had a bald spot in the back of my head. And I was just trying to get out of the group home. I wasn't looking for God. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to read my Bible. I didn't know anything. I just showed up because this is the church my great-grandma used to go to. And when I got here, I began to feel the presence of God like I had never felt before. And I'll tell you, when I didn't know how to pray, I didn't know how to get to where God was he found a way to come to where I was and he picked me up out of that deep miry clay and he set me up upon a rock oh let me preach to somebody tonight your brokenness may be out of your control but put it in the hands of God come on somebody I can only imagine. After Mephibosheth, it says that he moved to Jerusalem. So we'll make our way down to the front. Come on, let's move down to the front tonight. I feel that God is going to heal someone tonight. I believe that God is going to heal some brokenness in your heart. I believe that God can heal the physical issues in your life as well. But it was Mephibosheth that moved from Lodibar to Jerusalem. And I can only imagine that the people that used to know Mephibosheth went back and tried to visit him at his old house and got to that place to find out that room that he was renting out 
It's available now because he doesn't live here anymore. He's at the king's house. And tonight I want to preach to somebody that the enemy of your soul has mailed letters to Lodibar telling you that you don't matter and nobody cares about you. The enemy's tried his best to get the message through to you that you are unlovable and unreachable and things will never change. He's been sending packages to that old house in Lodibar telling you that you've gone too deep and your reputation will never recover. The devil's tried to call the house phone in Lodibar telling you that you'll never be used of God again. He's left voicemails on that old house phone telling you that you're inadequate, uncapable, and unqualified. He's tried to say that you're not called of God and that living for God isn't worth it. The devil mailed postcards over to Lodi Bar telling you that your marriage isn't going to make it and you might as well file some paperwork. But tonight I want to let the devil know that I'm not living in Lodi Bar anymore but now I'm staying at the king's house. I don't live where I used to live and I'm not the person that you used to know but I'm a child of the king and I've been washed. I've I've been forgiven I've been delivered I've been set free come on somebody let's lift our hands as they sing oh come on God wants to do a deep healing work in somebody's life tonight come on call out to God with all your heart oh there's a healer in the house if you need healing for your broken heart to restore you he wants to save you come on that's it brother Stephen in Jesus name oh in Jesus name da, da, da. Wash me in love.